0: Al Jazeera podcast. Military players in Sudan are turning against each other. They were partners in a coup that ended a short lived coalition with civilians. But now each side is vying for more power. So, could the standoff grow into a civil war? And what does it mean for the future of Sudan? I'm Mohammed Mjum, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. All right, let's go ahead and bring in our guests here in Doha. Walid Madibo, founder and president of Sudan Policy Forum. In Khartoum, Khulud Khair, founding director of Confluence Advisory, a Sudan-based think tank. And in Medford, Massachusetts, Alex Duval, professor at Tufts Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy, and executive director at the World Peace Foundation. Khulud, let me start with you today. The Rapid Support Forces had worked with the military to overthrow Omar al-Bashir in 2019. Two years later, they carried out another coup. Why are the heads of these groups now at loggerheads?
1: Well, the reality is that they've always been at loggerheads to some degree, and that's because they have very different visions for consolidating their power grab in 2019 and their coup in 2021. But the reality is that they both want to avoid accountability, they both want to avoid committing to security sector Uh, reform um, elements that will vastly circumscribe or curtail or limit uh, their powers. And so there are signs that they're actually working together to escalate the tensions between them and to very publicly show this escalation in order to gain concessions from pro-democracy forces, only then to de-escalate these tensions, as we've been seeing in the past uh, few hours, in in order to maintain uh, those concessions, particularly on reforms. And this has been a cycle of rinse and repeat that we've seen for at
0: least the last few years now. Uh, Waleed, could you tell us a bit more about these two men, the two generals, General Abdel Fattah al-Burhan and General Hamidti? What else is behind this struggle as well?
2: They are in a real quagmire. If you take uh, Hamidti, for example, the head of the RSF, uh, if he decides to go with, uh, I mean, if he gives in to the the demands of the uh, the public, uh, then he may lose... Uh, uh, protection for his wealth or uh, whatever amount uh, he he has garnered from the the gold uh, in the past few years, if if he. Uh, if if he decides to go ahead with the coup d'etat and uh, doesn't yield to the demands of the international community, then he may face uh, targeted sanctions. So, this is the the quagmire of uh, Himeti. Likely, if you think uh, about—if you think of uh, Burhan, uh, if he decides uh, to go ahead with the agreement, he is going to face the old guard who are still in, in, in good control of the of the army. And, uh, but if he doesn't, then he's going to face the popular uh, revolution that has never stopped since uh, ni- 2019. So the, the personal quagmire of these two individuals has become the quagmire of the nation as a whole. Not to forget uh, uh, the sort of influence that they are receiving from the Regional powers, mainly Egypt, that is supporting Burhan, and UAE that is supporting Hamiti.
0: Uh, Alex, uh, Walid was talking there about what he called the quagmire of these two individuals. I mean, is that what this escalation essentially boils down to? Is it simply about two leaders competing for power?
3: It's a, a struggle for power. It's a struggle for control of of the, the the central instruments of coercion and and, and state authority and it's a, a struggle to keep intact these vast kleptocratic uh, military business empires that exist um uh, Hemeti is the newcomer to this he's built his 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 corporate uh, militia empire up over uh, recent years, but Al-Burhan and the whole crony capitalist system that developed around the the military establishment is equally entrenched. And in fact, the, the immediate trigger for uh, the coup of of, um, 18 months ago was precisely in order to to halt the exposure and potential dismantling of these um, this sort of military commercial complex that has been sucking the uh, other country's economic lifeblood uh, dry for so many years.
0: Uh, Alex let me follow up with you about another point uh, because many point out the fact that um a lot right now uh, is hinging on the RSF potentially being integrated into the army does the stability of the country going forward depend on that
3: there has to be some major reform and uh, to 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 the security apparatus um which Um, every step that has been taken up to now, every agreement among the parties has involved expanding that security apparatus and and paying off the soldiers in order to get them to cooperate. And and that is part of this um, deadly cycle that has uh, led to this this entrapment and, and, and this quagmire. So definitely there needs to be some form of integration and security sector reform, but it has to be taken in the broader context that the the army itself needs to be uh, thoroughly reformed downsized and made into a professional army that um, serves the people instead of dominating them.
0: Khaloud, you talked earlier about some of this being part of a vicious cycle, if you will. You're on the ground in Khartoum. From your vantage point, I mean, what are other Sudanese saying? Do they believe that an armed conflict is inevitable?
1: Um, The thing is that an armed conflict is always uh, possible. And in fact, it's always likely, precisely because of the, the struggle, the power struggle between Burhan and Hametti, that sort of supersedes all of these machinations. The difficulty is that now they both um, are united in resisting the types of controls that Alex spoke about and the types of oversight from the civilians um, um, that we're seeing become part of the conversation. And so they, they come together, we know this very well, they come together when they need to, to resist reforms, to resist um, democratic gains by democratic actors. And then when, um, you know, things don't go their way or when they start to, you know, try and really settle into um, taking, you know, rights or or arms or money or influence from each other, that's when we see things heating up. And it's those sort of different um, impulses and different dynamics that are playing out that mean that regardless of whether there's, whether there's, there's... a de-escalation or not, there is always a likelihood of a clash. What makes this particular incident interesting in Meroi is that the first time we have seen SAF come out officially, the Sudan Armed Forces, and release a statement at 3 a.m. almost almost, um, calling the RSF's actions in Meroi an act of war. And that is the type of escalation we haven't seen as yet. And this is what gives people a lot of anxiety. At the same time, a lot of Sudanese recognize the trend of escalation or tactical escalation and de-escalation. And they recognize a the broader strategy um, to avoid accountability that this falls under. And so you have these two sort of um, you know, conversations that are happening in Khartoum throughout.
0: Uh, Walid, uh, obviously this all gets a, a bit complex, so I want to try to take a step back for a moment and look more specifically uh, at the rapid support uh, forces. Um, they evolved from militias that had fought in the early 2000s uh, in Darfur. Uh, they are now a complex paramilitary group. I want to ask you, how powerful are they? How well funded are they? And, and do they operate uh, under their own chain of command?
2: They, they definitely operate under their own chain of command. But uh, they, uh, as I mentioned earlier, they are very much uh, being influenced by the UAE because it is it is the UAE that uh, gave uh, uh, Himeti uh, the, the machinery, the, the, the money. Uh, and, but, but again, these uh, soldiers that are being paid from the Ministry of Finance. They are not being uh, paid by uh, a UAE. So they are exhausting the finances of the country. But uh, more intricately, I, I would want to say that uh, the Hamiti the, and Burhan, they are recklessly and irresponsibly trying to exploit the ethnic and uh racial and tribal cleavages because if you notice in in their most recent announcement the army has been calling for the for the public to come out and support the army for for support the army against whom against a body that the burhan himself and the Islamist uh, Islamist groups that uh, that they have uh brought up to the public i mean it is himeti uh, from they are the ones who have Uh, given him all the influences and all the support. Burhan more recently gave him uh, access to strategic positions in Khartoum. He made him the uh, vice uh, president of the council. Uh, He has been giving him access to the international community. Uh, So if you think of Omar al-Bashir as devilish as he was, he was very powerful in the sense that he was putting the leader of the RSF under his own co- control. But now the situation has become uncontrollable and mm-hmm. Himaiti is taking advantage of the cowardice attitude of Burhan.
0: Alex, um, what kind of diplomatic efforts are currently underway to try to contain all this and to try to de-escalate the tensions?
3: There are, and There is a concerted effort. There is um, um, a, a, a troika of uh, multilateral organizations that uh, the United Nations, the African Union and the um, Intergovernmental Authority on Development, the Northeast African Regional Bloc. The problem with them is that the um, the UN uh, special representative is essentially a technocrat. He is not a high level, a heavy political heavyweight. The African Union leadership has has succumbed to the lure of transactional politics and is is really just interested in in, in, in dealing and and the same with with IGA. They're both extremely weak. Behind the, um, the the next layer, which is more influential, is a quartet of players. That is the 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 um, the, the Saudis, the the Emiratis, the United Kingdom, and 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 the United States. And their problem is that that there is no unity, and in fact, a a key international player, which is Egypt, is not um, fully aligned with them. So they're not unified, and there is no overall strategy. The, the, uh, The diplomatic task has been delegated to relatively junior officials. Who, who, who simply don't have the weight to sort of direct the, um, the regional traffic to get a, a, a coordinated response. This is simply not getting the mm. level of diplomatic attention that it warrants.
0: Khaloud, uh, I, I saw you uh, nodding along to some of what uh, Alex was saying there. I mean, do, do you agree uh, with what he was saying when it comes to uh, the level of, of diplomats that are currently involved in trying to de-escalate tensions?
1: yes i mean it, it, alex is right that the the sort of the political weight that is required both within the quad countries and within the tripartite mechanism it has been very uh, glaringly absent but beyond that there doesn't seem to be a strategy that, that this fits in that this fits into and so you know I, the, the tripartite mechanism and the quad have been working at uh, trying to get a final agreement uh, signed, um, but it's this very agreement and the process um, that, that surrounds it that has been part of the problem. This agreement and um, the, fri- the framework agreement of last year in December effectively codified the power imbalance between Burhan and Hemeti, which gives us these kinds of impulses, which gives us these kinds of flashpoints. And so, um, the you know the medicine that has been uh, profit, which is the signing of this final agreement, may in fact be worse than the disease which is this power struggle between the generals. But in any case, there so far has not been enough effort at working out the broader uh, political struggle between Burhan and Hemeti. And so there is a laser focus instead on this political agreement and its process. And um, these kinds of you know, flashpoints of, of conflict can be treated in an ad hoc way, which is by no means helps us to figure out and sort out the broader power struggle.
0: Walid, when it comes to the power struggle and the fact that it's delayed this transition to a planned uh, civilian government, I mean, what happens now when it comes to the timeline of this transition, um, and and where does this where does this leave things right now?
2: I uh, I, I think we can compare the situation of Sudan to Libya. I the, I, I think they uh, these two leaders they are trying to prolong the process for as long as they. Uh, they can. And uh, in in Libya, it has been uh, 12 years. I mean, the transitional period here, they are trying to elongate it in such a way that it may reach uh, 10 years. But that's not the issue. The issue is if uh, should... Should the, uh, the two leaders and the, uh, the Sudanese politicians and the t- international community go ahead with this agreement? The agreement itself is not sustainable because it's, uh, it's alienating uh, a, a, a big portion of uh, a big majority of the Sudanese people. And uh, if you th- think of the forces of freedom and change, the, the very few that they are, uh, that are left now in the process— they don't carry the weight that will make the, the government sustainable. That is one aspect. And the other aspect depends very much on the personality of the uh, prime minister. Even if Burhan Hamiti agreed to the civilian process, the, the personality of the coming prime minister is going to play a, a, a very important uh, role in the process. If, if it happened— uh, if it happens and they, they bring uh, a weak uh, personality, then the whole uh, scenario is going to collapse and uh, we're going to mm-hmm. go into some sort of a, a civil war. I think the confrontation is inevitable between these two uh, individuals. Uh, but 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 then the outcome uh, may be beneficial to the Sudanese people because uh, we don't know if a third party mm. uh, a third party can come along and uh, and just try to uh, smash out mm. all, all of these uh, political chaos and uh, military chaos.
0: Uh, Khaloud, it looked to me like you were reacting to what Walid was saying and that you wanted to jump in, so go ahead.
1: I just don't think that this all hinges on who becomes prime minister. That will only follow on from whatever political sort of ecosystem this framework agreement and its resulting process have created. No one person, no matter how capable they are, will be able to combat or even mitigate many of the challenges that we see coming out of this uh, framework uh, agreement process. And, but you know, leave alone the issue of the generals and the power struggle, which I think we will see for a certain, certainly months, if not years to come. The The issue of this political process is that it has no broad-based political support. And without that, without including the very sort of large um, proportion of Sudanese public that came out against precisely this kind of militaristic politics, without the the, the people who wanted to do away with it, with this kind of system and bring in a new one, you're not going to have any politi- um, political per- uh, sort of individual or a prime minister who's going to be able to get things done. And that is something that is... Uh, very much missing from this process. This needs a much more concerted um, approach that rega- that deals with and engages with broader proportions of the Sydney's public who so far have not been um, sort of engaged in this current political process.
0: And Alex, it looked to me like you wanted
3: to jump in as well. So please go ahead. I, I wanted to add one more point and fully in support of, of what both uh, Walid and um, Khaloud have been saying, which is that any civilian government any civilian prime minister who comes in at this stage will have a much weaker hand than prime minister Abdullah hamdok had when he um when he came in some almost four years ago um because the the of the relative weakness and division among the democratic forces and and, and the weakness and division of the international engagement and the key thing one of or one of the key things that unraveled that government was the failure of the international community, especially the United States, to to step up to the plate and lift sanctions and provide the economic clout, the assistance that would have given real power to the civilian government. And um, there is so little international interest in actually bailing Sudan out of this very, very serious economic crisis, that any civilian prime minister is, is however strong his character, whatever his support on the street, is going to have a very weak car- ha- um, set of cards in his hand to play.
0: Uh, Waleed, there are groups like uh, the Forces of Freedom and Change, which is a coalition of pro-democracy parties, that are saying that the ongoing events are the plan of loyalists of the former regime. So I want to ask you, how much does the shadow of former President Omar al-Bashir hang over all of this?
2: I, I believe that the, 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 the old guards, uh, they, they do have uh, influence, but I, I think uh, it's, it's the failure of the democratic forces to provide uh, a futuristic vision for Sudan that is carrying a lot of weight. Uh, Do you see, uh, uh, I mean, total uh, lack of leadership, absence of uh, uh, vision, uh, developmental vision for Sudan and uh, there is uh, a lack of uh, uh, comprehensiveness in the approach of, uh, of, of 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 trying to resolve the situation, uh, uh, if you look at the agreement itself, it's, it, it, it's a, a historical and traditional uh, approach of the Sudanese political elite. Is they try to avoid uh, the the critical issues, and and they think that by avoiding these critical issues, that they are going to go away by themselves. One of the main issues is. Uh, the issue of uh, the secular state, it, it hasn't been resolved because you do have Al-Hilu, you do have uh, Abdul Wahid, Nur. Noor, the, that's, a, that's a big uh, group. The, if you think of Al-Hilu, he's occupying a territory that has about 1,400 kilometers with uh, uh, southern Sudan. If you think of Abdul Wahid, uh, his, his army is sort of destabilizing uh, therefore, and causing a lot of uh, uh, t- problems there. So, the, the issues, the-, the critical issues, the issues of the secular state, the issues of the uh, 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 the ex-regime, Omar uh, uh, al-Bashir, as of now, uh, I mean, he should have been hand- handled to the ICC a couple of years ago. They haven't taken any action against him. They haven't taken a- uh, any action against... Uh, the, the criminals of the ex regime. If you think, mm-hmm. uh, if you think of Burhan, I mean, Burhan could have taken a, a harsh stand against the the, the old guard, uh, the ex the regime. Uh, but instead, he went and embraced them full-heartedly, and by so doing, he lost the, the popularity of the public. It is not that the people are standing mm-hmm. for the forces of freedom and change, but that people are fed up with the indecisiveness decisiveness of Burhan and his, in, uh, his inability to take an action.
0: Hulud, um, from your perspective there in Khartoum, I mean, what do you hear from, from Sudanese when it comes to what they want to see happen and what concrete steps they believe need to be taken in order to resolve all of this?
1: I think everyone pretty much knows whose fault this is. Uh, I find it particularly uh, peculiar when people say that you know it's the civilians and their inability to agree that is driving all of this. Um, we are literally talking about a military clash between two very heavily armed actors, and all for the sake of their own personal gain. This is quite clearly a problem for these military actors and cannot therefore be laid at the, at the feet of and uh, civilians. Sudan has a very militarized political system. We have to acknowledge that much, and therefore any solution. To, um, to its political woes, have to be um, related to unpicking and dismantling this um, this, this militarised system. There is room for Sudan Armed Forces that. Um, Serves the interests of the public and not the interests of a certain group of actors, particularly partisan actors, Islamists, etc. And there is room for um, a sort of a level of reform that allows for integration of the RSF into into SAF. But as long as I think we make this. Uh, sort of an issue of the civilians. We won't really get there. The problem is that this framework agreement of last year has realigned, forced a realignment um, between what was before a a civilian camp and a military camp. And instead, it's given us two camps, one led by Hemeti and one led by Burhan. And within those camps are civilians that could lead the next government. And this means that um, whatever sort of resolutions that the civilians come up, or let's just say whatever resolution the two civilian factions um, come up with, cannot be implemented unless the core or central issues between the military patrons that they have are resolved. And we are not anywhere nearer to resolving the problem between the military actors. Um, And therefore, we cannot really find the sort of civilian solutions um, that we've been looking for. This is the folly, I think, of relying on a final agreement um, between the two FFC factions. Um, um, to sort of steer us through this very difficult period. It's going to require much broader thinking about how to dismantle the militarized state mm. and how to save the Sudan armed forces from these malign actors.
0: And Alex, we just have about one minute left. Let me just ask you real quick, um, what are the steps that could be taken right now? What are the concrete steps that could be
3: taken in order to help solve this? I think it, we need a much higher, and more robust level of, of a global international coordination and diplomacy. Number one, the first absolute priority is to stop an accidental or deliberate escalation into all-out conflict, um, which is quite quite possible. And then back to um, the reconsideration, reframing, using the framework agreement as the basis for, for, for ad- addressing these very knotty problems that we've been discussing.
0: All right. Uh, we have run out of time, so we're going to have to leave the conversation there. Thanks so much to all of our guests, Walid Madibo, Khulud Khair, and Alex Duvall. This episode was produced by Mohamed Al-Aishi, Katya Lopez-Hodayan, Abla Kla, and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Philip Morrison. The program was edited by Anir Sarkar, Linda Nguyen, and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. Tune in on Monday for our next episode.